Hey folks, thanks for tuning in to Talks with Tiger. This episode is with Joe Marushak. He is a venture capitalist and an ecosystem builder in the startup community. If you're new, subscribe to hear new episodes every other day. And if you enjoy the show, leave a review, consider tuning back in for another episode, or go the extra mile, post an episode on social media with a quick caption. That is the main way that a show like this grows. So thank you very much. And without further ado, here's the show. Joe Marushak. How goes it, brother? How goes it? Goes well. It's nice. a typical Eugene February, which is the, you know, it's warm and sunny, then it's yeah. cloudy and rainy. And no. it's the, it's the uh, you wake up in the morning and have to dress for all four seasons because you never know. Yeah. The but. funniest thing, uh, just a couple of days ago, I was at Subo, the sushi brutal place. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the only person just wearing just a sweatshirt mm-hmm. and everyone else was wearing like hoodies and stuff. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm so cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're like, how are you not freezing? I'm like, uppers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Like, amphetamines <laughs> can keep you very warm. And then one of the ladies there, her her husband was a, a nurse and she was like, you better watch out for that. I A 34-year-old had an overdose on it. I'm like, taking a minuscule amount once a year, you mm-hmm. know, goofy stuff like that. But anyways, man, what's been, what's been occupying your mind lately? Occupying my mind. Oh man. Last time I was the steam engine stuff. All steam engine stuff, you know, so I mean, things that I've been reading lately. Um, man, I'm trying to think about what's occupying my mind. Um, non-political, I should say. Non-political <laughs> stuff's not, well that, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to keep a political talk to purely purely political uh, podcasts. Oh yeah, yeah. The political stuff's sort of been. I mean, it's hard hard to avoid it because you said what's going on. It's just yeah. like this overtone of everything going on, uncertainty. You know, all the you know you turn on the TV and like it's all news and Brutal. it's all just. So my goal is to make the podcast at least a small respite from that. Now it's not one more thing that you turn on to hear about politics. Yeah. So I'm so I'm trying to think of what I'm. What I've been reading, so I read a good book recently, and it was called How We Got to Now, hmm. and it's about six inventions, and I found it really, really interesting. So there's a lot of, I've been reading a lot of stuff on innovation lately, and not just you know, like innovation or startups or finance. Not just it, disruptive technologies. Yeah, well, it's that, you know, I, I have read all the books, and so now if I read another book like that, it seems like regurgitation. So mm-hmm. I've been trying to find things that are taking me a little bit broader. And this book was much, much broader. Um, okay. It was actually pretty, pretty cool that it was, you know, it talk it has six sections. I can't remember them all. Glass, sound, light, clean. There's a couple others. But, you know, when they talk about glass, it's the way he walked through it, which is like discovery of glass actually um, led to the discovery of lenses. And then lenses then led to the discovery of germs and the discovery yeah. of germs. You know, so, and the ability for TV and everything. Yeah, it was, but wow. it was walking through like, hey, once this, this certain concept comes in the public consciousness, then people start to see what it is. And they use sound as an example. So sound, you know, for a while people didn't think air was a thing. Yeah. You know, it's just like the ether. There's nothing there. And Mm -hmm. they discovered like, well, air is actually a gas. They can compress it. They were, you know, playing with chemicals and like, oh, it actually, it's a substance. And if it's a substance, well, maybe it can carry waves like water. And once they discover that, they're like, well, we can record the movement of waves and see it. So how can we see the... Sound, you know, how can we measure sound waves and what's the speed of it? You know, so once this concept of air as a substance 
it kind of came about. Everything just exploded. And then sound is like a thing. You know, they're like, oh, sound is, it's a, you know, it has properties to it. That, that was kind of cool to walk through all those discoveries and see how they're additive and see how there's like a body of knowledge that's shared and this concept of the adjacent possible, which is a biological term. Yeah. It sounds like the perfect book for you because it sounds like it jumps around a lot with a kind of like goes up to a bird's eye view, which is exactly how yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I you think it. your mind works or you yeah. say your mind works. Yeah, I loved it. It was, it was kind of neat just to, to sort of connect the dots and it was a really, really easy read and I got a copy for my daughter and she loved it. Right. What's the name of it? So people listen. I think it's called... Um, how we got to now six inventions that changed the world or six innovations that changed the world. Um, but it, you know, broadens your mind out, gets you to think about like, Oh wow. Yeah. And things we haven't even thought about. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, when it starts, it's like, Hey, let's talk about innovation. So glass, let's Mm -hmm. go back to 3000 BC. And you're like, what? And it's kind of fun because it takes you on this time travel journey and it's not super dense. It's actually a really easy read. And I've kind of liked books lately that are like that, that are, are like an easy read. How do you find the time to read? How, I mean, how do you just slow yourself down enough to be like, all right, this is well, going to be the one I read, thing I do? I read fast read is fast. one. Two, I set aside time to read. Mm. You know, I spend an hour or two a day just reading because that's just something I've always done. You know, so finding, it's not finding the time to read. It's I've incorporated in my life time to read mm-hmm. and it's become such a constant thing that not reading on a daily basis is weird. And I have taken long breaks from it. And when I take breaks from it, there is this you know, couple hour gap in my day. That's yeah. like, I'm like, you know, I have nothing yeah. to do. Um, but that was something that over time I started when I was young, just reading a lot. And now it's just become part of a natural thing that I do. Nice. And it feels weird when I don't do it, you know? So it's, um, I did read the book atomic habits. Mm-hmm. So there's a book called atomic habits, um, which oh, is, that's the one that's all over startup Twitter. Yeah, it's it's actually really good. So yeah. a lot of it's I was already doing some of those things, but nice. he actually has a nice framework to be more explicit about it, more intentional about it. Yeah. So I I loved it because it was like, oh, this is a, a sort of an intentional way to cultivate habits and has yeah. a whole process to it, um, which I thought was um, it was good because it's like in you know, little little mini life hacks. So I spent the last month doing based on the book, a lot of little mini life hacks. And one of this is like, make it visible. Yeah. So I was doing one thing, things that I considered bad habits. I was making them. What's a bad habit? Well, checking you, Facebook on your phone. Oh yeah. One that you have that I am very curious. Cause I, you know, when you see someone, you respect them a lot and then they do one thing that makes you like, why would they do that? Mm-hmm. You smoke cigarettes. I'm curious. Is that a habit that you're never going to break or no, I'll probably break that habit at some point. But part of that, it's become part of my routine. Totally. It's a reset routine. Mm. So I'll go back to the smoking. Yeah. But so part of this is you have to make things visible. Mm-hmm. So if you want to actually encourage a habit that you want to encourage, you have to make it visible and accessible. So it's moving things around. So they're more in view Okay. and some things it was moving them out of view. So one of them was where I put my phone to charge. I change where it was. So I don't walk by it. Oh, I'm nice. not incentivized to pick up and like check Twitter, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, I have to intentionally like go to my phone to get to Twitter, to find it. Yeah. I actually moved Twitter off of my, on my iPad. I moved it off my main page to a secondary page. Yeah. So I've, done, so, I've played that game. I've actually moved it like seven pages over and just filled the six pages of random apps. And I just scroll all the way over and I'm like, okay, this isn't doing yeah, anything. Cause that's the thing. You're like, you open up your iPad and we're like, oh, I'm going to read. And then yeah. you open it up and there's like, there's notifications on Twitter. You're like, Oh, open Twitter. Yeah. And you look at Twitter and like 20 minutes later, you're like, I know. What am I doing on Twitter? You, <laughs> you close Twitter and then you open Facebook. 
Facebook instinctively. Instinctively, you know, and that's it's brutal. Yeah, and that's uh, so it's like those little tweaks. But then the smoking thing, that's a habit that I, I, mean, I actually kind of enjoy smoking. Ooh, nice. Um, that's the the thing of you know, it's one of the vices that I have left. And part of this has become part of my routine is this idea of resetting. So. When I do something, I try and focus on doing that thing. Mm. And when I switch to something else, I then focus on that thing. And I try not to merge things. Yeah. So me smoking is when I have done one thing. Yeah. And I do another thing. I would take a smoke break. And this happened a lot of time when I was running the accelerator. Mm-hmm. I would meet with somebody. And then I smoke to completely reset your framework. Reset my framework. Yeah. So I'm not. So it's not an anxiety. Because my view is most people who smoke cigarettes tends to be like a, almost like an anxious thing. No, it's not anxious to me. It's, it's not anxious. Nice. It's very intentional. It's I mean, just like, boom, reset it. It's time to, for a reset. So I go outside and it's, and when I do it, it's very much like meditation. Nice. You know, it's, it's a mindfulness practice where I just sit there and I take five minutes and smoke and reset my brain. And it is like a little reboot. I yeah. mean, I actually think of it like, okay, I just had a meeting, gotten all this stuff. Now I've got to erase all that and get back to blank slate, press the reboot button. Mm-hmm. And then I'm in that mode so I can go into the next meeting and be very, very present and not have the hold over what the last meeting was. Absolutely. So my question at that point is you build all these good habits, you break down all these good habits, you find a perfect way to structure your life. And what, where, where does it bring you? Where do you see your, like, do you think you've arrived or do you think there is ever arriving? Yeah, there's never an arriving, but there's always this sort of optimizing, optimizing, optimizing. Yeah. And, you know, I've been reflecting on that because over the last year I've done a lot of this, which is for the most part, I... I've gotten to a point where I can focus my energies on thinking about things nice. and a lot of things that other people think about like dinner or going to the store or getting dressed in the morning or doing laundry. It's, I, I actually don't put any active thought into those because I've now designed my life that most of that stuff just boom automatic takes care of itself. It's automatic. It gets you go as handled. far to put it like in your calendar, like laundry for 30 minutes on Sundays. No, 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 I don't do that. Mm-hmm. But Cause that's the, intense. Yeah. It's, we, we do it when it's time to do it. Yeah. But, um, you know, I have done things where it's, I will put like one towel in my drawer with my socks. Mm-hmm. And when we're out of towels, you just have the back. I have a backup towel. That's so funny. And then I know it's time that night to do laundry. So I just will like go take a shower and then immediately put a yeah. load of towels in. And that's like, these are the kind of small life hacks where I don't have to be like, oh, yeah, my shit. whole routine's broken because one little thing. One little thing. And then that's the setup, which is like, okay, when you have to go get the towel from the drawer, that's the trigger that yeah. you have to just Boom. immediately right do the laundry. Then. Yeah, it's like, oh, cool. So okay. it's little things. So most of my life runs on cruise control. Nice. You and you find yourself falling into like a, not a depression as in like sadness, but a deep rest where like things kind of fall behind. Like you get to that last towel and you're like, no, but I can't do it right now. Or do you just no. somehow keep up on it? I just keep up on it. This is the idea of, you know, it becomes a routine, it becomes a habit, it just yeah. happens pretty much automatically mm-hmm. you just do it and starting a little laundry for me is like you pick up a yeah. basket and you walk a second. 20 feet and sometimes you dump it in that's there. a really hard that you you must have at some point in your been in your life at a place where that is a big task no not You've really never been no because i try not to rush I mean, okay. i try to give myself a lot of a lot of time to do things and there have been times when you know like you're in a rush but usually i'm not in that much of a rush and i've yeah. designed myself not to be in a, a rush all the time yeah um but yeah it's it's giving me a lot of time to just be present nice. and think and not be thinking about, oh, did I forget to get bread? <laughs> it's like, no, I'm not worried about most of those things. Yeah. And we do have 
they're called backup meals. Yeah. And it's like top ramen with eggs or something. Yeah, well, it's like, like that. Uh, it's the little macaroni and cheese. Or like you'd say, cans. corn syrup. I think on our first show you said we have the money or the resources to give everyone enough corn syrup. I'm like, you can't. And then I didn't even question it on the show. But later I'm like, you can't just feed everyone corn syrup. That wouldn't be healthy. No, no. I, I think the the idea there was it's not healthy at all. It's it's the this idea that everyone. I mean, there wasn't enough calories to keep people alive. Oh yeah. You know, it goes back to like the potato famine. There literally wasn't enough food to feed all the people, and people went hungry mm-hmm. and nowadays yeah and corn syrup is like this ridiculous example like we can't feed people yeah. just, just corn syrup, syrup. Yeah. but if all we had to do is keep the caloric like the yeah the, technically the, you know technically caloric that with level vitamins in it <laughs> yeah with some vitamins in it but it's it's gone away from like hey if you're not working constantly to bring the food in you can't survive it's mm-hmm. and th- this is like the um i wonder if someone did a study i know when someone did a study on on the light bulb it was the what the the cost value of an hour of light. Oh, like two megawatts. Or yeah. Something. So back in the day, it's like yeah. when, when, when you were, when they were wh- like whale oil, Yeah. like how much effort and how much money did you have to put in to get one hour of light? Okay. Yeah. And it was to oh, like, Hey, you had to work yeah. two hours to get an hour of light. And mm-hmm. now it's like, you have to work 10 seconds, 10 seconds. Yeah. If it's, even. it's like the, the value of light is, oh, wow. you know, technology has made it so cheap yeah. that it becomes more accessible to everyone. And it's that kind of concept, like how much as humans do we have to work to actually meet our minimum caloric intake requirements? Mm -hmm. And back in the 1800s, 1700s, 1800s, it was a significant portion of our life, and now it's not as significant. Which gives us a bunch of free time, too. As you are building habits, you have a lot of structure. Do you find chaos in your life, or are you more... All the time. There's chaos in my life all the time, but part of this is is inviting the space for chaos to come in, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's kind of the, the thing, is I can be present when chaos happens, and respond to things as they happen. I don't, I don't think I seek it out. It's just, but just comes into life. Just life happens. Yeah. And, um, you know, it leads to when it happens, being present, being aware of what's actually going on and not being distracted by what I would call routine tasks. Yeah. So what do you, you keep saying being present and I've heard a lot of people say that. So what does being present mean to you? Cause being present to me means if anything, not being present, being completely like so in the moment that you're not aware, like when you when you know you're almost in that such meditative trance state. That's yeah. what I well, being present is just toward. you're not spending time thinking about the past, and you're not oh, spending yeah. time thinking about the future. Mm-hmm. You're thinking mostly about the situation that you're in and trying to be there and take it all in and and you know, actually just be present, yeah. living in the moment. I think when you're thinking about the future, worrying about the future, you're living in a one of many potential possible futures and you're wasting energy. But here's the catch up with that is that man, like just having a positive outlook for your future is really important. So at one point does really spending some time and qualitatively being like, okay, I want my future to look like this, this, and this, like you do need some we're, up until a certain age. Were you mostly, uh, thinking about the past and the future? Like at what age do you become more present? Oh, uh, well, I mean, I think everyone struggles with it all the oh, time. Yeah, it's like if you, if you focus on trying to be more mindful and more present, you, you just, you know, the more practice. So yep. age, I'm not sure has anything to do with that. I think there's people that have been really, really, that have cultivated it at a young age. Mm-hmm. And some people never get there because they spend all their time. They're thinking, distracted. They're distracted. And I think the, the past is a distraction where, you know, you look to the past to find root causes of something you did wrong to learn from. Mm-hmm. And after that, regretting or thinking about the past then becomes like, I can't relive it, yeah. can't change it. It's mm-hmm. the past. So I, 
have I learned from... That's a connected dot that makes it so you almost never ruminate again. Yeah, or you never for ruminate. 10 seconds, you'll think of something and be like, huh, and then like, fuck That's that, that ruminating thing, that yeah. back and forth, like, mm-hmm. past, future, past, future, past, future, past, future. And I think, um, you know, again, as we've had more free time, this is something that was built in our brains biologically. We think about the past in order to make a picture of the future, in order to anticipate things that might happen to us that are bad. Yeah. Good when we're running away from lions, not falling into pits, mm-hmm. you know, not so good when we're spending a massive amount of time worrying about politics, politics, and suicide rates are just rising and yeah. crazy shit like that. So yeah, so that's the kind of thing that, so being present is just focusing your energy right now and not thinking too much about the future. And my own opinion is, well, you gotta think a little bit about the future, but if you focus on being happy in the now, yeah. Then, oh, yeah, it's always you're always good in the now for the most part. But if you're good in the now, yeah, you say, well, what's the no, future going to be like? Mm-hmm. You say, well, if I'm good in the now, the future will be good yeah. because I'll be good in the now. I 100% agree. I think it's just one of those things where any of those bigger questions have the duality of like, well, you do also need a plan for your life. But yes, you shouldn't like be unhappy until you get it. Like desire is suffering, yeah. but, but you should also be happy while you desire something. Because like life is about you. We're humans. We're going to desire something. Yeah. yeah, but some of these things, if you set up certain yeah. patterns to take care of, this is like take patterns, yeah. patterns to take care of it eat well, exercise, put them into habits. And Do you not, exercise? No, not much. I, I don't walk. exercise as much as I, I walk, should either. I, I Walking is the best one to do. So I walk um, on a treadmill and I do push-ups and pull-ups. Nice. So I, I have two books and I keep falling off the wagon for one reason or another, but um, I have a book called 50 push-ups, well, it's called 100 push-ups and 50 pull-ups. You can do, how many pull-ups can you do? Right now? Yeah. I don't know, eight, 10. That's pretty good. Something like that. That's pretty good. And then push-ups, I, I can do hundred something easily. Yeah, I can't even do 30 pushups if I can do 25 pull-ups because pushups are something we spend so much time working out our front because that's what people see like our abs and our chest mm-hmm. and then it just makes us more and more hunched. So I, I've dedicated, I never work out any of my front. I'll deadlift and do pull-ups and walk mm-hmm. just my back. I just want to get stretched back a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, so I try. Yeah. I mean, I, I should do more, but I don't act like I don't actually work out of gym or go to CrossFit, but no. I, I have a little you don't routine. go to CrossFit? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I mean, that's that's just, I don't have never the... Never hooked you. Never hooked me in, in all my injuries. You know, I have a lot of injuries from all the sports mm. that I did back in the day. You have chronic pain from them? Uh, well... Probably better when you exercise and eat healthy. Um, like, I'll get a voodoo donut after shows, and I just feel inflamed. Like, I get more chronic pain if I eat two voodoo donuts, which I'll well, sadly probably do after the show. It, I think it's an interesting question, because I think we all must process pain differently. Oh yeah. hundred percent. So yeah, I have chronic pain in my right knee, my right ankle from skateboarding, um, I from skateboarding and I have, you know, my back surgery. So I have back pain that flares up quite a bit. Was it worth skateboarding? Oh, yeah. You go back, you'd still skateboard. Yeah, Cause I mean, on a scale of one to 10, the pain that I feel is a one. Yeah. You know, and it but, almost makes you more present. It's another thing to met, uh, focus on. Yeah. And I, I actually don't notice it anymore. Oh, nice. You know, so it's like, but there's like, if someone says, you know, are you, are you in pain right now? I'm like, yeah, my knee hurts. Yeah. Pretty much has hurt since 1993. Yeah. Um, and there's other things. Have you that, ever fallen into like uh, any sort of opiates or painkillers for it and then fallen no. out of it? Never. No. You just I mean, always accepted it. Yeah. I mean, because it's like. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I mean, it's it's not extreme. I think the back pain that I had. So I had a, a herniated disc, which was. <sighs> That's real. It's real. Yeah. You know, so when someone says like, I broke my arm, I know pain. Yeah. If you have a herniated disc yeah, and you have real. sciatica. I mean, there's pain and there's like, they say turn it nerve up to pain. 11. Nerve pain is... Nerve pain. I guess all pain is nerve pain, but like actual major nerves. Major nerve pain. So this is the one like you could say like a lot of pain you can think through. When I had my back pain, when you had a, one of those shots through your nervous system, like my legs would shut down. Like I would uh, 
fall down. Yeah. Like, like you, you'd get shocked and you'd oh, fall down. Brutal. And it was, yeah, it was brutal. Cause you're like, Whoa, I can't like, will this pain have an existence? No. It's actually, I cannot function. Yeah. Um, and it was pain that goes to 11 and the way it was persistent and it was the weirdest thing about that was, um, when you sleep, your discs swell. So the pain gets worse oh, so as you it's sleep. Worse when you're sleeping. So yeah, the best way to do it is you'd stand up and put ice on your back and take Advil anti-inflammatory in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. So you'd, oh, you got so this, then you're not getting good sleep. You're not getting good sleep. So after that, and after I had my surgery, like it's mostly gone. The pain's there. I have nice. a flare-up every once in a while, but even a back flare-up for me now is you know pain on a level of of three. Yeah, but for me personally, did you find it gets in the way of just like? And being present, like watching a movie or something or reading a yeah. book, like whenever I'm reading a book or watching a movie, I'm like, it just like, it makes me like kind of move around in my chair more often than I should. And it's just like, don't you just remember those days? Like, oh, oh, there's the funniest tweet. It was like, my favorite childhood memory is not having back pain or not having like chronic pain. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I don't, I don't think about that. Cause I, I guess it's oh, been such a part of me yeah. that I don't recognize it. No, the right. thing I, and I have this other particular thing that reminds me all the time. So I actually have spots in my body that have no feeling at all. Oh wow. No really? damage. Yeah. So it's like the, in between my toes on my right foot, oh. um, there's a patch on my right leg on my calf Crazy. that has like, I have no sensation there. It actually was think it feels like I'm wearing a flip flop all the time because between my toes, it has this weird yeah, sensation it's constantly but you probably there. used to it yeah i'm so used to it that it's just yeah. actually normal as a matter of fact if i got all feeling back i'd be like what the weird fuck? you know i that's yeah. i'm a different person um and when it becomes persistent over time i guess you get used to everything yeah but pain's one of those things like if you still had sciatica you probably wouldn't be used to it no no, no. i mean i, I think that no. i i wish sciatica on no one or any sort of nerve pinch yeah. because 100%. that is dis you, you cannot function like that. So I, I had I, moderate, not nearly slip disc, but I had nerve pain, sciatica as well yeah. at some point in my life for like a year or two. And I was working on concrete for 12 hours a day. Mm. And it was like, this is, you'd step wrong or you'd like extend your, your leg a little bit too much. And it just shoot too down much, one of my legs. Like a shock and I was like, leg. I'm like, I need to go home, but I, you don't, cause it's, you're better after 10 seconds or, you know, it's just hurt, but it's so bad. And experiencing that is like a well, your body 17 shuts down. year old. Yeah. yeah like your body like it's not like ouch it's like your body reacts and you stiffen do down it. you don't know what to do and that is a, a horrible experience and having had that it sort of you know i remind myself like i am not having that experience anymore it makes you grateful it makes, it makes you more grateful. present and conscious i'd say i think you aren't really present or conscious till you experience pain yeah in life for me it's pr- uh, physical I, I never experienced mental pain i'm very very grateful for that mm-hmm. um, but a lot of people in the show always try to argue with me they're like oh everyone experiences mental pain i'm like well exactly like you said i'm like there's no point in ever feeling anguish for the past because you did your best at the time even if you're self-destructing you're still doing your best well it's, it's a it's a calibration yeah like having had sciatic nerve pain nerve pinching yeah for an extremely long period of time like a year before oh. i had surgery um, Brutal. suddenly now it's like, I have pain on people. Like maybe if someone else experienced my pain, they're like, this is a 10. I'm like, it's a three. Yeah. Mm. This is nothing. This is nothing. Mm-hmm. So I can tolerate a lot of pain. Pain's and an then the th- same thing with mental pain, mental anguish. You have mental anguish? Well, everyone has had some mental anguish. I think when my father passed away, that'd be brutal. You know, so there's, but that? when you experience that, yeah. suddenly you get to recalibrate everything you do with mental anguish and saying, well, what I'm experiencing now isn't as bad as. That. that experience and um it allows you again to sort of appreciate and recalibrate again because mm-hmm. you if you're bound we talked about this before if the bounds of your experience you know from best to worst and mm-hmm. the best thing you've ever experienced was like 
Go right on Six Flags. Yeah, and the worst thing you ever experienced was like oh, the line losing. Well, or the line was long. Oh yeah, you know, it's like if that's like your you know the, the extent yeah. of your mental anguish, yeah, you're then you're gonna feel the bad quite often. You're gonna feel the bad quite often. So we should beat children. I'm with you here. No, man. not beat children. No, it's, <laughs> no, but it, but that's that's the thing. I think that everyone has their own way of calibrating. Yeah, I, I would never you know beating children <laughs> bad, but uh, but. But that, but I, I do think it makes us stronger people when we actually have experienced a broad range of emotions and, and sensations, because then we can actually put things on the right scale. Yeah. How curious are you about what it all leads up to at the end? How open are you about your um, earlier life substance use that you may may or may well, not? I'd, have? I'd rather not talk about an open okay, mic okay. because okay. it's 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 like uh, but personal. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, well, I just uh, you know my mom might be listening type oh, of thing. That's so funny. You know, um, but well, anyway, so did, so however your your uh, belief of the end of your existence is. Formed, well, I'm what do you think I'm non-religious. I'm kind of Buddhist, and I don't believe there's anything beyond. Boom, dead, black. Yeah. Don't you think that's like an intricate form of heaven where you get to let down all your burdens and pain and just that's a heaven. That's the kind of heaven you don't know that you just get to leave. It's released from suffering. Yeah, you know, and so that's to me, a it's, heaven. I don't really fear it. Um, well, I don't really do. want it. No, yeah. I'm like, no one fear. Like, I think ideally you shouldn't fear it, but definitely there's a healthy... Well, everyone feels change. Fears yeah, change. Healthy aversion. Yeah, we Healthy aversion. And, and part of this is, you know, my, my relationship with it is more complex because it's the idea that, you know, compassion for my family, I want to ease suffering. 100%. And, you know, I experienced my dad's death, which caused me some pain and anguish and caused my mother and my whole family pain and anguish. And the idea of my death is going to cause anguish to other people. It's a yes. change that they are going to have to deal with. So That's there's the crazy this, thing about having kids is... It's like if you never have kids and then your parents die, you're like, okay, you're good to die. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there's no one, like maybe your partner or whatever, but mm -hmm. like then once you have kids, it's like shit, now you have to stay alive again. Yeah, because yeah, it, it will affect them in a way. Yep. And they'll, they'll deal with it, but it's one of those things that you, you don't wish it upon them. No. And, um, but you did by having them. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess. But I get, you don't think about that when you have them. It's <laughs> like, how are they going to process mortality? <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't... I don't think about it beyond the end of my life. I, if there's something there that's awesome, if there's yeah. not, okay, mm, like okay. not a big deal. I Beautiful. mean, you know, it's it's, um, and a lot of this does go into the religion aspect. And I hate talking about religion because some people are so like, but it's like this. I've know. had some woo-woo people on my show. None of my listeners would be turned off by some some interesting thoughts. Well, they're not even interesting. It's mm, more okay. like the, you know the absence of religion. Like oh, I was yeah. I was raised Roman Catholic and sort of was turned off by the dogma. Yeah. And I think I'm spiritual and I live an ethical life. And mm. actually, I think a lot of my Catholic upbringing led to what I would call a very solid framework for ethical behavior, nice. which I thought was good. But in terms of my belief structure, I'm very Buddhist and, yeah. you know, it's, I mean, they call that the religion for atheists, don't they? Yeah. Buddhism. It's like atheist religion. The atheist religion, because it's like you don't believe in a God. Yeah. And you, I don't believe in a, um, a singular God that came you up with You don't believe in a power, like something that's connecting us all, like universal energy, though? That's what... God's just a dirty term. Big Bang is another word for God. Energy. Yeah, but you can say like it's forced. Yeah. You know, but even this like, do you believe in a, all things being connected? Yeah. And I'm like, um, well, if you look at the patterns in nature and the fractal nature of patterns in nature, of course, of course they're all connected. Yeah. But you know, you don't even have to say, oh, you have to have faith. I'm like, that's visibly observable. Yeah. Like these patterns in nature are observable now yeah. if you can't say they're all connected. And part of this is like, oh, we see light from other stars. Mm -hmm. Like there are photons from other stars coming in and hitting us in the eyeball. Like yeah. we are connected to those. Everything. It's, you know, so the, the idea that, 
you have to have faith. It's like, I don't need faith to actually see how wondrous the universe is mm -hmm. and how we're all connected. It's actually plainly visible on a daily basis. Um, so your ethical, because I, I personally, I think a lot of people who come on my show, I think most people just kind of develop their own sort of beliefs and like reasons not to do things like reasons not to steal or murder or kill yourself or all these different things. Like if you like, I hardcore believe in karma to the point where I'm like, okay, if I see, if you drop $20 and I took it instead of giving it back to you, I with, without a doubt in my life, like in my mind, think that I would lose $40 in the stock market or someone would steal $40. Mm -hmm. Like I a hundred percent believe that. So I will never do that now. You'd feel bad. Yeah. Cause it's happened so many times when I was younger, every 10 year old's like, Oh, that's a little, you know, whatever. Someone dropped that. I'll just take it. And then something bad happens to you a week later. I'm like, all right, you know what? It doesn't have to be real for everyone, but it undoubtedly is for me. And I guess that's the, I mean, to me, that's a construct cause I'm actually ah. not a big believer in karma, but Ooh. I am, I do have an ethical framework where I'm just, so it's then wrong. What's the basis of, what do you mean? It's wrong then. Um, um, it's this idea that if I lost money, would I want someone to give it back to me or put it in their pocket? And I think the idea is like, I would like them to yeah. give okay. it return so it to me. So it's like, rule it's the golden rule. And sort of the, part of these is like you, you start reading pretty much every religion, mm -hmm. you know, from the 10 commandments to the 227, um, activities of Buddhist monks. There's mm -hmm. a, like, there's actually 227 nice. very specific things and it has to do with, you know, like some of them are just weird. Like yeah. if you get a new robe, you cannot hold on to your own old robe for more than a week. Cause that's okay. yeah. an expression of greed. Yeah. I mean, it's very, it's, that's intense. It's <laughs> intense. The part of this, you read enough of it and you go like, okay, um, there's sort of a framework that's, there's a commonality between all these things, mm -hmm. which is, um, obsessing over possessions causes anguish and suffering, yeah. trying to, you know, envious of being other people's things just causes your own suffering. And a lot of the things, all these rules are just they cause you to suffer because they um, give you these mental dilemmas that you can't solve. So it's like, oh, well, all the rules are pretty much the same. Just follow those rules. And if you follow those rules, it's... Again, Bada bang, it's, it's that easy. Well, it's like the atomic habits. It's like, yeah. why do I have to put a lot of energy into figuring this out? Like, there's a cheat sheet. And it's every religion out there has a commonality to it in terms of ethical behavior. Yeah. I'm just going to follow the cheat sheet. Cool. And for the most part, if you follow the cheat sheet... Mm -hmm. You're set. You're set. And I it's, like it. And it's 4,000 years of... Yeah. Hundreds of thousands of people whittling down all the different um, dilemmas of being human down to a few simple rules and say, follow these rules, you'll be good. And I'm like, do you want to know mine? Boil it all the way down. It's actually going to be on my shirt. I'm, I'm screen printing your shirts. I almost brought okay. one to show you. But uh, it's nothing matters except it feels good to do good. Because that's the base of all of it. You feel better when you do good things that you understand mm -hmm. are good. Yeah. You know. This is like the, you know, in the, the path to enlightenment, you know, the eightfold path, the Buddhist eightfold mm -hmm. path. Well, oh, you should look into that. There's yeah, like I'm going to go to a Buddhist 10 day Vipassana retreat, yeah, so I better look into it. So it's like the, the eightfold path. And a lot of this is, it's very, very simple sort mm -hmm. of structure of how to, down a little. okay. Golden. I like seeing your beautiful face. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, again, a, a structure of some simple to follow rules that you're supposed to remind yourself of in terms of how you behave toward yourself and toward others. Mm -hmm. And, um, this led into the 227 rules of the yeah. Buddhist monk, but they're all, Bigger. they're all based come from this, the 10, eight, off the eight, which is all based on my one. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and, um, it's how to, how to escape from suffering and mm. suffering being defined as, you know, that, that self suffering that we cause ourselves by ruminating. Yeah. Worrying about the past or 
regretting the past and worrying about the future is that suffering. Did you never worry about the future? Or just always. Recently? I mean, everyone always? has. Even always, still? I mean, everyone's... What do you have to worry about now? Everyone still worries about the future. Interesting. And everyone still ruminates on the past. I don't um, ruminate, but I do worry about the future. That'd be my only mental anguish, but I've just gotten good about it. Like, you know, well, what's going to happen is going to happen. To me, it's like, you, can say, you can't say you never do it, because it's... But it's a, it's a um, continuum. Okay, like you may yeah. do it very, very little. Yeah, and I'm very far. That's one of my my attrib- my positives. I'm like I don't care about the past, but I don't read into history or anything. I don't think about like like if someone asks me like a memory, I'm like like I don't know about my ch- childhood or anything. It just happened. Yep, but that's that's good because you've sort of cultivated that. But everyone has some. It's somewhere in the Spectrum continuum. On, yeah. And if you think of the Buddha, you know he got to true enlightenment, yeah. where he got he escaped from the wheel of suffering. Every second was brand new. And. That's a noble goal. So we all, we all get there. Yeah. Um, but I worry about the future. And some of it is like, well, what am I going to do? I mean, there's when you start thinking about me, it's like, well, what am I going to do with my life? Yeah. What's left to do? You don't feel accomplished? Um, No, not really. Interesting. I mean, it's like... You know, but what would make you feel accomplished then? You're set. You have uh, a happy family. You're you're financially set. You've done. You've accomplished goals. Yeah, I mean, what I'm, more would you want? Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's it, I guess man. You're thing. good. It's, it's like, it's the idea that... I don't feel accomplished because, um, but you've accomplished things and you don't feel accomplished. Do you really think accomplishing another thing will make you feel accomplished or do you think you should just no, change? No, I mean, I really just feeling accomplished now. I, well, I feel like, I guess I feel accomplished, but I nice. don't really feel accomplished. I mean, mm. to me, it's like, Oh, you know, who are people that have accomplished things in this world? And you go like, okay, let's see. Jesus, yeah, Buddha. okay. You're going to be them, though? Come on. No, and that's the thing. But <laughs> yeah, the, the, your totally. arrogance says, you know, I'm, I'm yeah, the Messiah. I'm it's gonna, like, no, yeah. I'm not actually going to do that. But nice. then there's, you know, Nelson Mandela. Is that 1% of you who do think maybe? Martin Luther King and, you know, Nietzsche. You know, there's some people that have actually moved human existence forward. Mm-hmm. And As you are right now by speaking to tons and tons of people. Yeah, but I don't think I'm going to move the world forward in that way. Because, I mean, to me, maybe I will. But it would be arrogant of me to believe that I was going to be on the level of, say, Einstein. Yeah. Um, so, you know, how would I say, well, you know, I don't feel unaccomplished, but I don't feel extremely accomplished. Um, I feel there's still a lot to do, but there's a lot that I've done. Yeah. I'm not unhappy with where I'm at. What age do you think you are? Like in your head, like not like you, you radically, like you obviously know your age, but like the more and more I ask people, people are like, I still feel like I'm like 18 or like they still think 22, 22, 22, yeah. you know, it's like sort of like 18 to 22, that yeah. range. Um, I think mentally I haven't aged that much. I think I've experienced a lot, Yeah. but in terms of how I process the world, I, you know, I think I've matured. I think I've learned. You but still I, feel like that. But I still feel like an 18-year-old kid. I mean, and part of this is cultivating the wonder of being young, cultivating, like, the magic of the universe. I don't Absolutely. think I've become jaded. Nice. Um, which is... No, you don't strike. That's why I invite you back on the show. I'm like, I like speaking with you, man. Because it's... Yeah, I'm not jaded. And I think that that's actively trying to cultivate that childlike wonder about what the world is. I think yeah. when you lose that, you are you might as well be dead. Mm-hmm. And if yeah, there's an afterlife, it's yeah. like you're not going to enjoy it because yeah. you... You don't have that wonder that would allow you to experience it because you're already like, eh, I've been there, done that. Yeah. And to me, it's, um, yeah, I still feel at times like I'm a child experiencing the world anew nice. all the time. That's the way to do it. And um, so you know, mentally, it's, it, I think there's reminders that I'm not. And those are the funny ones. Yeah. I, mean, I have the, you know, like the funny stories. Yeah. You know, um, I was speaking at the UO and I was like, hey, remember Rage Against the Machine? Ah. And people were like, Rage Against what? the Machine. And you think back and go like, oh, God, that was 27 years ago. 
yeah. oh, I'm speaking to people like Rage Against the Machine stopped being a thing mm-hmm. eight years before they Might were. Might as well be talking about Beethoven. Or the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, the Beatles. You know, so there's things that remind you that you're not young anymore mm-hmm. because you're talking about some band that was like, hey, you remember Jane's Addiction or you remember like Ministry or Tool. Like Tool I actually didn't think about Tool because they're going to be playing at Matthew Knight Arena. Oh, nice. Good for them. But it's it's like, you know. Are you going to go see Fear Inoculum? I haven't listened. I, to I, there's I'm, no one song that scared me. We, we might go. I mean, it really depends on on how crowded it is and how mm. expensive the tickets are. Yeah, 100%. Um, part, of, part of that is you can only experience that once. So I was a child of the 80s. My wife and I were ch- you know, children of the 80s. Mm-hmm. So it was like going to punk shows and yeah. going to see bands in the 80s. Did you put a paper cl- or a, what are they called? Bobby pins in your skin or anything? Uh, were you that hard? Safety pins? Yeah. yeah. I had safety pins all through you my did? ears. did? Yeah. <laughs> uh, my ears were heavily pierced. You can still oh, see holes in them. But this so is funny. But this is a, you know, back in the day, music in the 80s, it was a time that was unlike any other. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like you get things off, off, um, YouTube or, or Spotify. I mean, you had to travel mm-hmm. and to get exposure to different types of music, you had to travel and you go to, had to go to lots of really weird, small clubs. Yeah. Do you and, think it was better back then or better now? Though? I think it was better back then. Whoa, really? You know, oh yeah. I mean, don't I, be one of those people, you know, change is always, change is good, better. but change I, I think good. music in the eighties, you know, during the punk, the punk explosion with new wave, I mean, and you know, the, the, uh, alternative scene in quotes, I think back in the 80s, early 90s, it was a much more productive time. Hmm. And it was much more fun. And part of this is, I guess it's as fun for people experiencing it now. Mm -hmm. Um, I could send you an artist who's like, you'd be like, okay, they're actually changing things as radically as they did in the 80s. There are a couple musicians now. Send them to me. Okay, well, blow your mind. but But that, I think there's the experience of going to all these little bars and seeing these great bands and bars on a normal, regular basis Mm -hmm. that can't be recreated. And that's, um, so nowadays going to see a show, it's like, oh, it'll be fun, but it's nostalgic. I've noticed that I'm never in the moment when I'm watching live performance. So I don't, I just don't like live shows that much, especially because I made an album. So I'm always thinking like, why is the bass so loud? Why is it, why is it all so loud? Everyone hears deaf and then you realize they're also deaf from going to live shows and being deaf from it. They have to turn it up. I think the, the nostalgia aspect of going to shows is what, kind of doesn't make it enjoyable for me because it's like, oh, this is somehow yeah. recapturing That's why you said an you experience that I've had in the 80s, yeah. but not really recapturing that. Now I feel like an old person. That's everything. You can never recapture an experience, I've noticed. Yeah. So you've got to capture, reca- you know, yeah. capture new ones. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like playing guitar with my daughter, which nice. I'm teaching her guitar is much more enjoyable. And, and she's drawing. She's an incredible she, artist. She's, she's an incredible artist. Instagram. I was like, damn. Yeah. So talent. she's, yeah. So she, that's to me, it's like, oh, hey, go to an art museum, draw with my daughter, draw with my daughter, nice. go see tool, play guitar with my daughter. It's like, uh, play guitar with my daughter. It's a, to me, it's yeah. a much more meaningful, more enjoyable in the mm-hmm. present moment than going to see tool and going to see tool would be fun. Like I could be doing this right now. It's always weird judging your time based on what you could be doing. That's uh, a way to, that's a way to suffer. Yeah. But, but in some of these things you go because they're, um, points in time, milestones in your life, you know, it's like, Hey, we went to see that show on that. And it's actually kind of fun. Yeah. It's a, totally. a welcome break from the monotony of everyday life. I enjoy you, monotony you, though. You got to enjoy the monotony. You got to enjoy the monotony, but sometimes something that's just out there yes. is Kawhi. weird. Kawhi trip was that for me. So for me last year, it was um, the Renaissance Fair. Oh, really? Yeah. So Did you buy one of those Damascus daggers or something? No, no, no. Oh. I didn't, although I looked at them. Yeah, you <laughs> which, did. Which was sort of the... Uh, <laughs> so my daughter's really into Renaissance Fair, as is my wife. Nice. And I'm, I think I'm like whatever this is kind of dumb really you because you like history stuff i figured I like you'd history like stuff it. but it, to me it's like this is just kind of <laughs> kind of weird don't call people out no but, well yeah, i'll say i'll say many things here that'll piss people off but mm-hmm. i was like i was never really just into it 
But my daughter's like, will you please come? Yeah. And I'm like, sure. Sounds like fun. So I went and I had fun. Nice. And I mean, it was neat. There were people doing all kinds of medieval things. There was uh, you know, people riding horses jousting. and shooting bows, jousting. Beautiful. Um, there were... Shakespeare and, Nerd. Um, yeah, yeah, it was it was it was kind of nerdy and there yeah. were hundred, well actually in this one thousands you didn't leave of with nerds the kilt, did you I actually went with a kilt did you? Yeah, so that was sort of the because yeah so part of this is um it was kind of it was fun you got into it you got into it there's you no shame in that's awesome yeah and it was it was this experience that was like well I've never done this before this sounds yeah. seems like it's gonna be kind of fun mm-hmm. and you go there and it's actually kind of like it's goofy and enjoyable and yeah. it's actually kind of ridiculous because there's a bunch of people walking around in medieval clothing and there's jesters juggling and you're just like this is kind of just convince me maybe I'll go next year it's goofball yeah. but it's actually one of those you know good goofball things because yeah. everyone is actually just most of those goofball things are good goofball things. Like anything someone thinks is nerdy, like World of Warcraft or like any specific Star things. Trek convention. Yeah, they're all cool. They're all cool. They're all they're filled fun. with cool people. You just see photos of like the 1% of not cool people and you just get it in your head. Yeah, and it's, it's a bunch of people who collectively at one point in time said, hey, let's go some, do something that yeah. has like no real intrinsic value other than just being... Good point. Just fun. Like yeah. they're just going purely to have fun and escape from the world for a weekend and you go to this festival and you're like... This is actually like a bunch of people in a really good mood that yeah. have all put themselves in this state to come to this thing. Mm-hmm. Your next step's Burning Man. That was a weekend. Now you got a whole week of I, Burning Man coming I, up. I don't think I'd ever do Burning Man because that just sounds like a long trip to the desert to hang out with people that... Are all tripping. <laughs> well, they're all tripping, but it's, to me it seems a little bit more... Like it's taken on... Like back in the day, I guess it would have been cool. Mm-hmm, yeah. But now it seems back like it's got a whole yeah. thing to it. Yeah, like there's you, like a 1% chance you'll meet Elon Musk there, so... Yeah, but the, you know what's he going to be doing? Walking around tripping? I know. Yeah. You know that's uh, that's. <laughs> no. but, but what would I do? Talk to him? Hey, Elon. <laughs> hey, Elon. Uh, oh, it'd it be so cool to say hey to Elon. It would, but spending all that time there because to me it's now it's you go there and there's an expectation of how you'd behave and dress. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's like go to Burning Man. Me right now, being my advanced age, would go to Burning Man and I'd hang out and I'd probably yeah. drink a beer and I'd probably be like, oh, I'm tired. And I'd go to bed at five and everybody's like, dude, you got to dance. I'm like. No. <laughs> Someone would talk you into it later on. Here. No, well, maybe not. Because to me, it's like, they're like, hey, come dance. I'd be like, dude, I'm tired. Yeah. Which means it's time for me to sleep. So I'm going to go like back to my tent or my car and sleep. Yeah. And, and if anyone said It'd like. breaking the cycle too much. It'd be breaking your structure. You'd go home and you'd be like, why no, is there a towel in my sock drawer? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I don't <laughs> think it would break my structure. I think it would just be like when you go to one of those things, it's like, hey, take drugs and dance and listen to loud music. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, mm-hmm. what if what I want to do is get in the conversation with somebody? Mm-hmm. You're doing that right now. Which is what I'm doing right now. And part of that is like, well, I don't know what I want to do. Maybe I want to hang out and dance and do drugs and go mm-hmm. and do yeah. the whole thing. But maybe I'd meet someone interesting and just want to have a conversation with them. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I want to play a game of chess or whatever you would do. Yeah. You ever play Go? Uh, no, I've never played Go. Never took the time to learn it. It's like better than chess. Would you want to play Go sometime? Uh, it's like, sure, I'd have to like, learn it. It's, it's, it's so easy. And yeah, it's like I, next level chess. Yeah, I'd love to. I mean, those are the games of chess. Let's and, do it. And you could teach your daughter. It'd be a way better game than chess. Yeah, chess is hard. Chess is embarrassingly and, easy once you play Go. Okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll, learn how to play, I'll learn how to play Go. It's one of those things I just never took the time to do. But that's... Yeah. I'm not great at it. I just know that I just... Good, so you won't bit. totally yeah. kick my ass. Um, <laughs> well, I play StarCraft. I played StarCraft like a lot of my life, so I know those 
strategy okay, based games. Kind of, um, and then that even has a time factor where Go doesn't. So you can all the time in the world be like, oh, I'm trying to, you know. Yeah, do the surround thing. Yeah. And, so, um, I like strategy. Yeah. It's, I mean, to me, it's like I've never learned it. And mostly because I've never really found anyone who would play with you. Who'd play. Yeah. And I've looked at it and be like, okay, I don't. Mm hmm. Like learning this on my own without having to get opponent. your wife into. I actually just have been getting my wife Kenzie into Call of Duty of all games. I'm like, in ten years, it's going to be so fun and realistic that it'd be fun to be able to play it with my best friends. So I'm like, shit, I'm going to get her into it now because it's. If you didn't grow up playing it with a controller, it's hard. Have you ever had your wife or someone well, play so with a controller? We, we, we've played different games. So when we think of the games that we used to play, she would never play Call of Duty because she <laughs> finds it boring. Um, you think that Kenzie she'll play for six hours with me. Well, what was the games we played back in the day was you know Wipeout, the original Wipeout on PlayStation, and mm -hmm. then. Crash Bandicoot and Crash ba Crash Team Racing was totally. big, and then Donkey there was Kong maybe. That's no, there was one game called Monster Rancher Two that my whole family successfully has gotten addicted to. Nice. For um, first it was my wife. I got you know I played it for a while. I don't know if I got addicted to it. My daughter played it. Then my son played it. And we still have a PlayStation Two, and sometimes he pulls up the PlayStation Two so he can play Monster Rancher wow. Two. Monster Rancher Two. It's one of the the best games ever made. It's actually really really enjoyable. Nice. Um, yeah, but I don't think she'd be. I don't think she'd be into go. I mean, yeah. she even hates. So Not she's a strategy. Men and women are well, wired differently. It's a thing that I've noticed time and time again. Not everyone. There's definitely women who are way better at strategy than me. But on the mean, it's like that's why I'm so happy with who I found. Just she's into exactly what I'm into. I think there's different strategy games. So my wife will play Catan. She likes it. Oh, sick! Catan's I think, a blast. I, I think like Risk is actually almost too simplistic anymore because we now we've played other more complex strategy yeah. games. Risk is almost just like. Yeah, this is a strategy game, mm -hmm. but the strategy just isn't that. Dice, it's yeah. rolling dice, and you grind it out, mm -hmm. and it's kind of boring. Yeah. Um, when you think of games, she does like to play because she does sometimes play, like play Rummy Cube, which has strategy to it. Yeah, you know, so we'll we'll play some of those simpler games like Rummy Cube that my whole family can play, um, and we do play Catan, and that's actually kind of fun. And she's actually gotten quite good. Nice. My whole family's actually gotten really, really it's good fun. at Catan. So that's the goal, man. That's the dream. That's literally from my perspective. The dream is just to have a family you can play stu stupid play little games, games with. with. Yeah. And, and I think we've, you get to the point where you, I don't say run out of games to play. <laughs> um, but there are actually so few, like Catan is a really good game. I think there's one called betrayal at house in the hill that we really enjoy. You really suggested enjoy. that to me when we were at lunch. Yeah, it's good. A while ago. You know, so, so there's some really good board games out there and there's a whole bunch that are, not there. Not yeah. so great. Where you play it and you're like, yeah, this was kind of like... Like Power Grid or something like that. Well, um, was, there was one that was called... Um, we don't need to call it board games. Here. Yeah. It's been 30 can, minutes where I've wanted to go back to this, but I'm like, no, I'm actually okay. really enjoying where we're going. Okay. Um, you keep saying try to be in the moment. I've noticed when I try to be in the moment, more than anything, it takes me out of the moment. Especially during like something like when you're having sex and you're like, oh man, I'm not in the moment. You're thinking of what you're going to do tomorrow. Like, oh, you have to get up for this. And then you're like, okay, game face. I'm going to get more in the moment. And it just takes you out of the moment even more, you know? Of anything, but like even if you're playing a sport or like you're playing, you know, like mm -hmm. whenever I'm in, barely not in the moment and then I'm like, okay, let's get back in the moment. It takes me, okay, I'm like, okay, I completely lost. There's no way I can even get back in the moment now. Huh. Is what I've noticed. Are you easy? Like you can just fall back into like a, into the falling moment. into a groove on a ski or snowboard? Well, um, I haven't really given it much thought. Maybe. Are you in the moment right now? Um, yeah, <laughs> I think I'm in the moment right now. Nice. I'm, I'm not really thinking. So I'm trying to think, what am I thinking about? Am I thinking about anything about the past? Am I thinking about anything in the future? Am I thinking about anything other than what I'm doing right now? And I'm like, no. You don't have time when you're talking. Um, That's the beauty of it. Yeah. I, I think, um, 
Yeah, I haven't given it much thought, but I have had a lot of training, though. And this is like... You know, Ooh, what training? Well, it's like skateboarding, rock oh, climbing, yeah. mountain yeah. bikes. I mean, you, you, you put yourself in a situation where because of the sport that you're doing, you have to focus. Mm-hmm. And it sort of forces you to focus. And I think that because you get into that mode because you're doing sports, you can become really, really, you know, it forces you to be focused because yeah. of the activity that it creates a pattern that makes it really easy for you to just mm-hmm. think like that. I want to find badminton does that to me. I don't know if you've ever played badminton. I've played but badminton. I, I play so much that I hurt my shoulder in the mm-hmm. summer. So I'm like, shit, I, mean, I want to do it this summer, but I'm going to do it with my left hand, but I can't get into the moment with the left hand. It's a weird thing, man. Mm-hmm. I'm not, that, that, I would, I would use, use an action sport. So to me, it's the ones with speed, mm. with something rolling. Oh, so okay. rock climbing does it because if you don't keep hanging on, you fall. Mm-hmm. Like it requires constant attention. Totally. Um, skateboarding, bike racing, motorcycles do that too. So if you're on motorcycles, there's yeah. something about riding a motorcycle that forces you to be there, like there, because if you're not, you crash, mm-hmm. which is actually the danger. Of, yeah. If you if you get distracted on a motorcycle, you can hurt yourself really, really badly. Yeah. See, that's um, how. That's why I avoid the guy. Probably won't skateboard and stuff because I'm like, for me, like safety is number like is paramount. I don't want to be injured later. You know. Huh. Yeah, I, I guess I never really. You got lucky. No, Some I actually people... just didn't care about getting injured. Oh, really? Um, well, I mean, I think a part of my body would keep me from getting injured, but actually didn't really. It wasn't like a thing. Well, you, you, eventually you, you will you get injured. injured? Yeah. Well, I, I, you do care, but mostly it's like, oh, I can't skate for like a month. This sucks. Yeah. But you know, getting injured was sort of part of the game. You but you wouldn't do that gonna... now. Well, you wouldn't go skate now and be like, oh, who cares if I get injured? You have such a better realization. Um, like, fuck, I don't want to get injured. Well, I think, I think that's, it's, a, it's the joy that you would get out of it versus the time you would spend mm, like, yeah, off yeah. the board. Yeah, I feel that. So right now if I went skating, like, sure, I'd go skate. I'd get hurt within 20 minutes. My <laughs> knee would pop back out of socket, oh. and, and I'd spend a, a month like brutal. with my knee wrapped up with ice packs. And, Playing guitar with your daughter, though. Yeah. So, but the idea is like, well, I know that I'm going to go there and skate and within the first half hour, I'm probably going to blow up my knee. Mm-hmm. Um, am I going to get, and then it's a, you know, a month of yeah. debilitating pain in my knee and I can't really move around that much. And See, that's not worth, worth anything for me. That's not uh, worth the fun. That's how Kenzie was with riding horses. And then she got really injured. She had like migraines for like every day. So debilitating. I'm like, how is this worth it? People just say like fun is like exact same with having a son who plays football. I'm like, no, having uh, on early onset CT. Yeah, er, yeah you, you don't early, you don't want that. Yeah. I think with skateboarding, it's like the amount that I skated to the amount I spent time off the board when I was injured was very, very low. I okay, mean, like nice. you enjoy yeah. it a lot. And you would get injured, but sometimes it's like, oh, I skinned my elbow, or I, yeah, okay, like, yeah, I broke that. my finger. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm scared about long-term things, like like falling wrong and losing an eye to like a corner or something. It's like, oh my god, anything. Mountain biking, dude, that's freaking well, dangerous. Well, some, some of that stuff it is, but the, you know, some of that stuff just happens, and sometimes you totally. deal with it. Like you know, yeah. I mean, you know, my finger, like I chopped off the tip of my finger. You can still see the scar there. Oh, that's funny, man. What happened? Uh, well, I slammed my finger in a door when I was hanging up a spider on Halloween in sixth grade, <laughs> and it slammed on me and chopped off the tip. Of my finger and Rough. it flipped back like a little hoodie and uh, you see the tip of the bone. They sewed it back on. Uh, but I have stuff like that where it's like, Oh, that's rough, man. You know, it's like you could lose finger. It's like, well, yeah, but you can't spend your entire life. No, avoiding you'll, losing get a finger. you'll get cancer or something just randomly. That's how life yeah. works. You can be so safe. Boom. Cancer. But, but yeah. And as safe as you're going to be mm-hmm. like a meteorite comes through the ceiling and hits you in the head. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's, um, as long as you're not courting disaster and doing things that are Ooh, obviously going to get injured, it, yeah. you know, um, skateboarding, mountain bike race, like mountain bikes, downhilling on mountain bikes, pretty safe. 
um, doing the thing where the, the guys are doing the, uh, two of them. The, you know, the, the, what they call those, the wingsuits. Oh yeah. Yeah. Doing the wingsuits. Especially suits, right next to the, the, the mountains. Mountain. Yeah, like oh my gosh, that's brutal. They're going down valleys in the wingsuits. What would like, you do if your daughter or son wanted to do that? Would you tell them, like, no, hold them down? No, like, I would actually say, like, good luck. Don't you let them? Yeah, oh, sure. I mean, the loss of a son or daughter? Well, if that's what they enjoy doing and that's what they See, need to do. See, that's where we break down. I would not, I wouldn't take well, that. I wouldn't let them do it until they're 18. I mean, if they were 18, <laughs> I'd be like, no. Cause it's, but at some point, it's like, hey, if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. Yeah. And there's nothing I do to really prevent it, and I'm not going to stand in their way. Mm-hmm. I would question them about it. Like, is the loss of your life worth or the thing. exhilaration? And if they hell say yeah, yes, brother. <laughs> if they say hell yeah, I say, well... Yeah. Okay, and there are some people that you know, like free climbers. There's oh, yeah. many that have died, mm-hmm. and but they some of them were like twelve, thirteen years in the rocks. All of a sudden, an accident happens, they died, but they yeah. spent like thirteen little, years doing the favorite thing ever and living life, you know, mm-hmm. in the moment and and probably living a fuller life than most people have. Mm-hmm. But then the life ends, and so to me, it's like, well, some people live. Very full, very short lives, mm-hmm. and some people live very long, very empty lives. So, do you think you would have been happier if you made it as a pro skateboarder compared to like you didn't do a no. safe route, but like you made a lot of money making an, a game? A video yeah, game? yeah, but no, being a pro skateboarder, well, one, I wasn't good enough, and two, I didn't practice enough. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll get you. I mean, That's part of the duo, I mean, the guys that are pro, you know, they, they, oh, it's their life, it's their life, mm-hmm. and they focused a lot on it. And, um, you know, to me, it's like spending that much energy on focusing on only that one thing. It's not who I am. No. So, and I think life has this weird, twisted, sick way of making you lose it at some point in your life. Like, if your favorite thing ever is reading, you lose your eyesight. Or if your favorite thing is rock climbing, like you pull a tendon in your finger. Like, eventually, it gets to where you can't do the thing that you identify yourself with. Like a large part of your life, it's like I identify as a rock climber. Mm-hmm. Life will eventually be like, no, you can't identify yourself as that. Yeah, and that's something to that's me right brutal. now. It's like I can't identify myself as a rock climber anymore because I don't. Ah, yeah, because I can't. You know, because I'm old and my fingers are messed up and yeah. I've put on 50 pounds and, you know, all the reasons why I don't, um, yeah. couldn't climb at the level that I could back in the day. So how do you define yourself then? Uh, just a dude, just 18 a year old trapped in a, <laughs> yeah, just 18 year old, 18 year old trapped in an old guy body <laughs> and, um, just a person going through life, trying to figure it out and trying to enjoy myself and figure out what I'm supposed to, and I guess not figure out what I'm supposed to be doing. Cause I actually don't feel in the, like there's a plan for me. Like, yeah. I have some destiny. It's like, well, what should I be doing? Mm-hmm. And not in the deterministic sense, but like, have you found your ikigai? What makes you the most happy? Mm-hmm. Cause that's been your, your grind for the past six months. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it really comes down to, I really enjoy mentoring people that, have, that do startups. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that really, really enjoyable. And part of this is having done a startup. Yeah. It's a very stressful experience that's unique in this world. That's mm-hmm. unlike any other thing. And um, I came out the other side and survived. I mean, it's kind of like going to war. Yeah. You know, it's, you, there's these things that you just you only know once you've started a company. Was there it, someone who helped you in the same way that you help other people? And did you like? Yeah, a ton of little people, but not as intentionally. There was none. That was there like, was no infrastructure there. So you're being the person that you wish you had, kind of thing. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, and then, um, fuck yeah, trying to help people that are going through the same thing. And part of it's just um, being there for people, and I enjoy it because you're talking about things that you enjoy and something you know about, and you're helping people. And I find it, um, I actually just find it to be an enjoyable experience. And I've accumulated a whole bunch of knowledge about a bunch of 
different things that yeah. allow me to put you're puzzle great, pieces together. That, you're a great conversationalist for it. Yeah, I, I like to think so. Um, so I really, really enjoy that. So that's the, you know, the world needs it and I enjoy doing it and it brings me joy. And, you know, I guess the, the will the world pay for it is the, the one I haven't solved for yet. Like, how do you do it in a sustainable way? Yeah. And I think, you know, beyond that, it's, well, how do you do it in a sustainable way that's scalable? How do you reach more people? How do you affect more change? And this becomes the the things that I've been thinking about lately, which is like, okay, in our nation, we're now the nation of innovation. You know, we're not the nation of manufacturing. We have to grow innovation. Mm-hmm. In order to grow innovation, you actually have to get people on the path to entrepreneurship and innovation. How do you do what I do, but scale it to affect more people? Mm-hmm. Um, is there a good model for that? And there are, I don't think we've arrived at a really good model for that. And I'm when I'm saying there's, I mean, there's good models out there, but we haven't arrived at the model like we've arrived at corn syrup and and um, or Khan Academy. Like you want Khan Academy for startups? Yeah, I'm I'm actually thinking bigger than that. You're thinking about the bigger than that. Well, I'm thinking about like the meat industry. Oh wow! Well, you know, like that's an ambitious uh, goal, man. You know, it's like how can we actually really yeah allow people to do all they can be and actually apply all that mental energy to making the world a better place and helping more people you have to reform the school system to stop making kids think the only way to live in life is to work for someone else that's yeah, the biggest that's, thing that's paramount so, so those are the things that i think about it's like huh how is there a way to do that and what would you do to make that happen how to come to any conclusions um no, no big ones. I haven't put all the pieces together. I mean, I have some pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. Um, but some pieces of the puzzle are institutions that would do this or programs that would do this. Other things are, like I said, re- how do we reform school? Mm-hmm. And then you start getting this rabbit hole of, well, school, given the, the number of people that are involved in the educational system, is kind of like the military-industrial complex. Yeah. It's the education-industrial complex. That's hilarious. I've never heard that term, but it well, is. But, it's, but it's, there's so many people doing it in a certain way that actually trying to change it drastically would actually be highly disruptive mm-hmm. to our economy, and it would be highly disruptive. Yeah. So part of this is you start going like, oh, yeah, well, we could just... Burn it down, yeah. start it or, over. Or you could just start small. I'd be like, all right, I'm gonna, you're gonna teach 20 kids, or like, like get a group of people who yeah. teaches 20 kids, uh, K through. Yep. So, so part of this is like saying, so, so how do you set that up so it eventually becomes the seed that grows in and replaces the other thing? Can you find the ways, the right way to approach that? How do you get involved in that? So how are you balancing that with your kids? Because your kids are in public school mm-hmm. or private school or wherever they are. How do you make sure that they don't fall into the thought loops that public school puts on people? I don't. I mean, part of the thing I figured out on the right. You, you're own. not going to tell them like, "Hey, don't think that you have to live life this way." Um, well, I do tell them that. Okay, good. but you know, the socialization of school is actually socializing them to do well in a society that still values that. Very important. And um, I think my wife and I are examples of. Like, you know, we're, we're the living examples of like, you know, what you should do is buckle down and work hard and do these things. Oh, My yeah. kids look at us and they're like, uh, <laughs> yeah, how about no? Yeah. You know, and, and part of this is oh, interesting. their definitions of like what, whatever they think their definition of success are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my parents see my wife and I and they're like, mm, there's some people that have degrees in art and they ended up doing quite well and would you think they're successful if they never made income if they were just artists that never made money and they well, just happy. lived off your will or your estate eventually like well if they're happy and my estate it's not huge so no, it's like, but, but that's they need to make them some money <laughs> they need to make money yeah well but no i mean they need to make them put money to, sur- to, to survive money. and it's also a signaling thing if they're making money it says okay their shit's worth stuff to other people yeah, yeah but how much pay. do you actually have to have to make 
to live, not that much. I think everything else becomes... What would be your number? A year? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I really, it's the... The actual no- amount of money you need to live is zero. Like, if you actually wanted to just live. No. You could, without begging off other people, how would you get food? Go to Dunkin' Donuts at 3 in the morning. Look in the garbage can. There's, like, trash bags full. Yeah, okay, okay. Go to every, yeah. single, go to every single bagel baker. I mean, yeah. if you just wanted to get food. If you call that living. <laughs> well, it's, again, the, yeah. what's no. your definition of living? Mm-hmm. If your goal yeah, is to point. survive and get food, in the present day and age, the idea is, yeah, you could live on donuts for the rest of your life. It'd be crappy existence, but um, what's your definition of living? Now, I think beyond that, then it's your definition of success, and if you feel you're adding worth, if you're creating value, if you're getting recognition, your self-image of whether or not your art has any value, whether you're communicating, so these become like, you know, are you living? Well, if I'm not communicating to a large audience through my art, then I'm not yeah. truly making the impact. So some of these definitions become things that they have to figure out for themselves. Yeah. You know, if they're figuring, if they're making the art they enjoy to make and they're an audience of one and they enjoy it, mm-hmm. who's me to, who's for me to say that's not good. I mean, good the idea is theoretically my daughter wants to be an artist. Suddenly she says, I'm going to move to a Buddhist monastery. Yeah. I'm going to do those sand mandalas. Yeah. Or they just blow them away at the end. And blow them away at the end. Yeah. For, for who? The, you know, it's mm-hmm. an audience of none. Yeah. It's a meditation practice. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so you're going to make art for an audience of none. Yeah. And she's like, yep. And she's happy. Then I'm Can like. you be okay with that? My parents would beat me. <laughs> I'd be like, ah, uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's not a, a, a life that's not noble. Mm-hmm. You know, that actually takes a, um, a degree of intention to Absolutely. choose that path. And who's yeah. to me to say that any path of intention is a wrong path. If someone chooses a path of intention, I mean, I can think it's crazy or stupid or not like it, but yeah. if it's a path of intention, I, at least I can respect it. The The yeah. ones that I don't respect are the, are the lives that lack intention. Mm. Um, Living reactively instead of proactively. Well, so, you know, a person is born yeah. and then they're not doing anything to life and then they sit around and complain that life happens to them. Yep. Like, I never get a break. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. You're just waking up and letting the world push you and pull you I mean, you're like a piece of wood, like a piece of driftwood in the ocean. You're not living a life of intention. But well, it's because you, of my gender or skin color or all these other things. Well, I think it's one of you can accept it. Yeah. You can accept like I'm a piece of driftwood being pushed and pulled by the tides. Mm-hmm. Or you can fight against it. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you are getting pushed and pulled by the tides and let yourself be pushed and pulled and you say, hey, this is kind of chill. Because I don't really have to do anything. Yeah. All I have to do is hang out in front of Dunkin' Donuts at three in the morning and I'm good. Yeah. And if you're... If that gives you the peace to get mm-hmm. through life, power to you. Power, more power to you. We just hit an hour. Um, I'm going to be just being cognizant of your time. So it's oh. 510. Um, just before we wrap it up, I'm curious. I'm going to say it to you, and I'm just more or less curious why you always end stuff with this. Was this helpful? Yes, it was. What? Beautiful. Why do you always end? What, what, what's, the, what's the goal of that? Of what? Of just uh, ending meetings with, was this helpful? Why? Yeah. Like, is it just for your own it's like It's feedback. Okay. Cool. It's feedback. You know, I actually want to know, was it actually helpful? Yeah. Um, and that's a reminder to myself to always try to be helpful. Nice. You know, that's really what I try to do is serve. Focus on helpful. Goes back to religion. Serve. Yep. Love it. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. And no I'm problem. looking forward to having you back on again. Yep. Yeah.